Good evening, and welcome to the Marionette Theater. It is Friday, June 18th, and our second tribute to Pride commences tonight. Summer is just around the corner. Who'd have thunk? Please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Well, hello there, Mr. Smelly. How are you this fine evening? I'm excellent. Uh, we got uh, we got your basic, uh, yeah, got your basic summertime uh, temps, even though summer isn't due here for another couple of days, but it feels like summer. It's been summer. Got summer. It's summer. It's, <laughs> we have summer. You know, I've got a few friends out west who have let me know that they're a little closer to the surface of the sun, like yeah. your talks about. Yeah. And, uh, well, they have been telling me that uh, I am uh, I am in lazy days here because our temperatures are a bit lower than everyone else's. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well, well, I have heard on the surface of the sun and elsewhere. Uh, by the way, our, our, I don't know where our sympathies are with you. I don't know what to say about the West coast and them hot temps, except I, I, I can't believe you got to deal with it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're just about to go into the next season there. And before you know, it, it'll be time to, inflate your kiddie pool stick your toesies in and get a nice cool drink and you know think about going somewhere i i'd like to think about going somewhere would you <laughs> yeah but tonight's film is is going to be kind of a, a journey um and speaking of hot temps uh you know our hot little um temp uh temperamental here um our senior showgirl did you see her around this evening yeah i have uh uh, uh gertie yeah hi oh hey 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 you guys hey, you guys this is another movie i should have been casting look listen i mean i'm telling you that showgirl that had the ping pong you know in the woohoo and then she Bing bonged it. I mean, <laughs> seriously, I could do that in my sleep. Anyways, I guess if you want me to start the show, I will. But uh, <laughs> ping pong, never mind. Okay. You know, Gertie, if I if I had my money on, I'd bet you could drink Terrence Stamp under the table. <laughs> oh hell, oh hell! I know I could. I know it. By the way, yeah, yeah. Well, could, mm. could you go ahead and uh, get those shot glasses cleaned out downstairs there for okay. us? All right, I will. All right, here we go. Australian drag queens Mitzi and Felicia have been offered an extended engagement to perform, but they have to take their act on the road to a place in the middle of nowhere, Alice Springs. To get there, they'll have to cross the desert and brave the wild in a clunker of a tour bus. Along for the ride is Mitzi's longtime transgendered friend, Bernadette. Before the trip is over, they'll have to lip sync for their supper and contend with Mitzi's past. 
Grab your heels, a sequined dress, and some sunscreen. We're headed down under. It's time for the adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Hit it, boys. What do you get when you take a dash of the silver screen? A pinch of golden oldies and a smidgen of screaming. It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host, DJ and Tommy. Well, Toppy, uh, you know, Gertie was talking to us about a film that uh, is uh, an adventure down under. Have, have you ever been down under? And I, I don't mean under the table. I mean, you know, south uh, of the equator. No, I only wish, but never, never. I, I would love to go sometime. I'm just waiting for the day that we've got that supersonic travel back because I've heard that we're working on it. I just don't know that I could be on a plane. <laughs> For for longer than the eight hours that it took me to get to Ireland that time, I mean, I uh, felt like somebody had sawed off my legs. It is virtually on the other side of the world. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. I I mean, I'd I'd love to do it. I'd love. I I I just love the when I see photos of Australia and the outback. I I'm I just wanna I want to be there. Yeah, I, I, I've uh, seen many a film set there. Of course, a lot of times it's in the bigger cities. So um, it, it, I'm sure that it'd be quite an adventure to, to experience. Why don't we start by playing that crazy trailer? If alien beings arrived in your town, how would they act? would they say and most importantly what would they wear come on girls let's go shopping Gramercy Pictures proudly presents a comedy that will change the way you think the way you feel and most of all the way you dress you actually make money by dressing up like a woman oh sure make a fine living in a pair of heels the adventures of priscilla queen of the desert um do you have the texas chainsaw mascara <laughs> rated off <laughs> awesome yeah. Uh, um uh, yeah i i got to see this when it first came out dj oh yeah yeah it was it was awesome it was awesome I think that I probably didn't get to see it until a few years later when it was out on on uh, home video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're talking 1994, which as much as I hate to think about it, was when this movie came out. So Deej, mm -hmm. set us up what was happening in the, in the U.S. of A., back in 1994 give us some context here all righty the world in 1994 
Figure skater Tanya Harding, oh that brings back memories, pleads guilty to conspiracy to hinder prosecution for trying to cover up an attack on figure skater rival Nancy Kerrigan. She had a lead pipe, okay? Uh, she's fined $100,000 and banned from the sport. Don't know why. Listen, I'll tell you what, that was the best Olympics ever. <laughs> it was. I'm serious. It could have been a reality TV show. It was the goddamn best Olympics ever. Okay, go ahead. It might have been a, you know, it was might as well have been a Bond film. There was Hot Pursuit. Yeah. Uh, and then Schindler's List was out in 94. It won seven Oscars, including Best Picture and Best Director for Steven Spielberg that year. Also, uh, The Lion King was released and is the highest grossing film of the year, bringing in $422 million. All right. Okay. Well, president Bill Clinton, who was, he was in office when I was in high school, he was my president, signed the Federal Assault Weapons Ban, and it banned the manufacture of new firearms with certain features for a period of 10 years. And I think that was uh, like semi-automatics uh yeah. heather whitestone oh, became... by the way that went really well folks just right. saying yeah <laughs> heather whitestone became the first hearing impaired contestant to win miss america and uh, a few other things here in 94, former U.S. president ronald reagan well he announced that his all he had alzheimer's and lastly rounding out 1994 george w jr well, he was elected governor of Texas, the Lone Star State. It always starts with Texas. Mm. <laughs> All right. So uh, we've got a, a birth to note in 1994. Dakota Fanning, you know her from Uptown Girls in 2003 with Brittany Murphy. And you know her from War of the Worlds in 2005 with Tom Cruise. So died that year. Passed away, Caesar Romero, at the age of eighty-seven. Most folks know him for the Riddler. Oh, not the Riddler, the Joker in Batman. Also, God bless you, DJ, for putting this name in here. <laughs> Jack Kirby, mm. comic artist extraordinaire, who had one of the greatest careers in uh, comic book history passed away at the age of 77 in 1984. And he virtually brought you single-handedly all the characters you've come to know in the Marvel uh, movie universe. It's amazing. Uh, also passing away, in 94 at the age oh, of 27 kurt cobain yeah he's and, the lead singer of nirvana yeah and uh richard nixon passed away at age 81 and jackie onassis uh the former first lady she was 65 when she passed mm -hmm. away that year actor dick Sargent, one of the dicks no, uh, no. What was the, What was his name on the show? Durwood. Durwood. <laughs> uh, one of the Durwoods, Dick Sargent, uh, the second uh, Durwood, uh, passed away at age sixty-four. And Martha Ray, the woman with the mouth, uh, she had her own TV show uh, way back when, but she was a comic and an actress and a singer and an all-around. You know, great personality. Martha Way, she also sold dentures 
or denture cream or something on mm-hmm. TV because of her big mouth. Anyway, she passed away that year at 78. That's Martha Ray. So uh, uh, when this movie came out, DJ, um, any idea what was the competition other than Schindler's List uh, and The Lion King? Yeah, so in uh, 94, the top of the box office that year, because, um, you know, Priscilla was sort of a, an independent film. It was filmed in Australia. In fact, uh, its main release was Australia, so it didn't reach the rest of the world until later that year or the next year. But uh, the top of the box office, of course, as we mentioned, The Lion King brought in a pretty penny. Running up to that was Forrest Gump which some say re, uh, relaunched Tom Hanks' career after a period. Mm-hmm. And uh, that brought in $294 million that year. And another film that's one of my favorites that has, um, oh, geez, I'm thinking um, Jamie Lee Curtis uh, with uh, what, um, for, future governor of California, uh, Arnold. Arnold. Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it was a film called True Lies, which was pretty good and a lot of people say there should have been a sequel but they they waited too long um, so. yes yeah, so uh let's see here as we taught on down the list to priscilla well uh it wasn't in the double digits of course because you know we like those special films around here but uh near the uh, lower part rung of the box office here the other films, let's see here. I'm doing this live, folks. Let's see, Priscilla. Okay, so uh, the film that did one better than Priscilla at the box office, you'll never believe this, it's a sequel, Wayne's World 2. Oh, okay. They're still in their basement. All right. And uh, one less than Priscilla was a little film with Christopher Lloyd in it called Camp Nowhere. And yeah. I want to say that was right around the time he made an appearance in um, one of the Dennis the Menace movies that came out. Yeah, yeah. In the chat room, uh, Tommy Hashbrowns said Kirby was king of comics. Absolutely. And Tudor says that he met his partner at the Baltimore opening of Schindler's List in 1994. Oh. He says, Maybe not the most romantic movie to go see together, but it happened. You know, um, I, I know that uh, some might find it to be a hard watch because it's, of course, one of the most horrible chapters in human history. But if you view it just purely from the cinematography perspective, it's very beautifully done. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's all these years later now, so it's not really a spoiler. You're going to know the ending. But uh, I would employ your, implore you that if you haven't seen Schindler's List, the thing that's most important to watch is the girl in the red dress. You get to watch her journey through the course of the film. All right um yeah yeah absolutely uh uh uh, let's just uh say a few words about um uh the director yeah let's talk about this guy uh now uh to see his name in print one might think it's steven but he is an australian so of course it's stefan tell us a little bit about mr stefan elliott toppy well, he's uh, spent many years working as a writer, director, director, 
Um, he's directed 10 films and written nine. Priscilla was only his second film, so it's real early on, a big hit for him, a big name maker. Um, and actually, the actor Hugo Weaving um, worked on his first film, which was called Fraud, and Hugo Weaving, Weaving was in Priscilla. Um, uh, Stephen Elliott came out as gay during his presentation at the inaugural AACTA Awards in Sydney in 2012. He's been in a relationship with his partner, Will Beverly, uh, since the late 1980s, and they had a civil partnership ceremony in London in 2008. Uh, among his films, other than Priscilla, you can uh, see his uh, movies. Welcome to Whoop Whoop in 1997, Eye of the Beholder in 1999, Easy Virtue in 2008, A Few Best Men in 2011, Rio, I Love You in 2014, and Swingin' the Safari in 2017. That's Stefan Elliott, the director of Priscilla. Okay, so we have a bunch of other folks that made up the talent behind these characters, and we're going to go ahead and tell you a little bit about those folks. Of course, front runner right there in the spotlight, as we've already mentioned, the director, uh, Mr. Stephen Elliott, had already worked with Hugo Weaving in his first film directation. And uh, Hugo Weaving, he was born in Nigeria. Now, his father worked in computers, so they traveled around a bit. And uh, in his early years, he was spent between South Africa and England. Now, by the time Hugo was 16, he'd moved permanently to Australia. So that's where he attended high school. And coincidentally, he attended the same high school as Mr. Hugh Jackman. Hmm. Yes. And by the way, if all the time when you were watching Priscilla, you said to yourself, I know this guy, I know this face, I know I've seen him, uh, what would that probably be, DJ? What movie? Well, there's a couple that you might, uh, you know, pick right out of the ethers there. Now, for me, whenever I see him, I always think of Keanu Reeves in The Matrix because he was the guy that was chasing after him. He was sort of a men in black kind of person. With yeah. the sunglasses. Yeah, he had those shades on and he was unstoppable. Unstoppable. And he was famous for saying, Mr. Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. And oh, he was, was in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Those All of them. Really long, but pretty films. <laughs> mm -hmm. So he began acting in the mid 80s and he worked primarily in Australian television. So if you hadn't caught some of his films, you, you might not much know much about Hugo Weaving. But uh, by the time Weaving appeared in Priscilla, he'd already been in seven films. Prior to Priscilla, he was in a film called The Custodian in 93. And it was about a policeman who exposes the corruption in his department. Now, I do believe Kim Bassinger was in that film. And mm. just five short years and uh, four films later... He would star in the first of the three Matrix films, as we were talking about with Keanu Reeves. Now, the latter two films were both released in 2003. So they made three Matrix 
movies total first was released and it was several years before they decided to make sequels they actually filmed them back to back and released them the same year the same year weaving would appear in three films including the first of the lord of the rings trilogy and he has appeared in nine films in the past five years. Yeah, he's been a busy guy, very successful. Now I want to talk about Guy Pierce, who played uh, the youngest character of our trio of uh, heroines. Um, and certainly the eye candy of the movie. Wouldn't you agree, mm-hmm. DJ? Oh, yes. So uh, he um, began acting in the mid-80s on an Australian daytime drama, Neighbors, very famous. Uh, People in the UK love to watch Neighbors. And just prior to Priscilla, Guy Pearce had appeared in My Forgotten Man in 1993 about uh, Errol uh, Errol Flynn's life before acting fame. Priscilla was Guy Pearce's fifth film, and he would appear in a, uh, uh, five films over the next five years. And to date, Guy Pierce is, uh, has 84 acting credits, and he's appeared in a dozen films over the past five years. So he's still going strong and loved his character in this movie. His, his character brought life to this movie and a lot of heart. And uh, I got a lot to say about him later. So next up, uh, Terrence Stamp. Tell us about him, DJ. Okay, well, so the big name in this film, and you know, his, his name isn't the first on the, the credits there, but he certainly has got uh, you know, the biggest pair of shoes to bring to the uh, the table here, because um, Terrence Stamp, he is a celebrated actor. Now, he was born in England. He began acting in the 60s. By the time the 80s had come around, he had starred in two of the Superman films with Christopher Reeves as a character known as General Zod. Now, Zod, of course, was a villain who was from Superman's home planet of Krypton. And uh, prior to Priscilla, Terrence Stamp was in a film called The Real McCoy. Oh, I'm sorry, I got a couple things mixed up. Uh, this was, I said Hugo Weaving was in a film with Kim Basinger. No, it was actually Terrence Stamp, of course, because uh, Terrence Stamp has this uh, this um, signature thing that uh, he does. He's got these uh, eyes that just draw attention. I've I've watched some interviews and they just say, you know, he could stop traffic with his eyes. He actually got Lauren Bacall to drop something at a, a dinner party just by looking across the room at her with his, you know, uh, signature eyes. Anyway, (laughs) to date, he has 97 acting credits. And according to Stephen Elliott, Stamp was on the verge of quitting acting before he accepted the role of Bernadette in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. He was tired of being typecast as what else? The British villain. Yeah, and and he was. He was often the villain. Uh, but what? Uh, how lucky for us that he, he kept on going and he's still working today. Um, uh, so I, I saw this movie when it came out and it came to where I lived in an art house uh, movie theater. 
So out of the mainstream, but it had a long run there and a lot of people flocked to them to see it. And by the way, Tommy Ashbrown's just posted Terrence Stamp in Superman and Superman 2. Uh, certainly, if, if you remember him for anything, probably that. But uh, where did you see Priscilla, DJ? I want to say that I saw on home video and it was a few years later. So I had some catching up to do. And little did I know, several of these sort of cult status films now came out right around uh, that same time frame. I mean, we just had a watch party where you and I watched another Australian film, Muriel's Wedding. Now, coincidentally, another person in the cast was actually in Priscilla and Muriel's Wedding in the same year, Mr. Bill Hunter, which we could talk about a little bit more later. But um, I caught Priscilla and I actually probably watched it after I saw like Jeffrey, as we talked about in our last show. And um, I don't think that I got to see Muriel's wedding until later, but I think I saw Priscilla probably after I saw Tu Wong Fu, which, uh, you know, we'll probably get around to talking about. A lot of people compare the two, but uh, technically Tu Wong Fu wasn't even released yet when priscilla was wrapping up so yeah it was a year later i believe mm, so um, i i you know i i, I to your point I, I think that i probably saw a couple of years later uh certainly after i had left home and was uh out on my own <laughs> mm -hmm. well a lot of the um gay theme movies i've seen up to this point dealt mostly with aids and they were on the dark side. So Priscilla came out and it was a serious movie, although you could say it's a comedy, but it, 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 its heart was in its drama and the struggles of the characters. And uh, I was bowled over. I, I was bowled over by the drag sequences too, mm -hmm. the performances. Um, it, it would be a, few years later before I ever set in foot in a bar that had actual drag queens doing a drag show. So this, this is kind of my first glimpse at what drag queens did. Mm -hmm. And I found it, well, it was just a, a delight. It was just like, wow, wow. Um, and so the drag performances, and there's quite a few of them, I'd say at least five major segments where the girls are all performing and they're just a sheer delight uh, to behold and the costuming and uh, their little choreography uh, made them just uh, a great, a great thing to watch. Very entertaining. Um, but really Priscilla is the story of, of two major characters, uh, Bernadette, who um, has gone through an operation and is becoming a woman and is a woman, and, um, and Mitzi, who, as we watch the film, it's revealed 
even to his closest friends, they don't know this. It's revealed to them and us that, well, he was married to a woman. Not only that, he has a son. Mm-hmm. And as they, uh, they're going to perform at an event that his, he's still married, his wife has invited them to uh, an extended engagement and they're they're going there and the whole way we know there's going to be this we know that he's going to meet his wife and so are the others and we're going to meet his son and there's a wonderful scene where he's revealing this to his closest friends who had no clue and uh, he says well i was married to a and I have a son, so um, a really nice spot in the movie. DJ, do we have a um, a thirty-minute marker clip we for do. us? So I'd like to continue discussing that, but we are just about the halfway mark in our show. We're going to trot on over here to our snack bar where our senior showgirl is going to be whipping up something special. I, I hope there are no ping pong balls involved. I, I might just have to go home. I, I don't know. We'll <laughs> let's hope. So for your listening enjoyment, folks, I have an interview with Terrence Stamp, who played Bernadette. And this is on Entertainment Tonight in 1994. Now, uh, just a, a side note. There may be some older language used in this, so um, just be forewarned. They they might be some old-fashioned terms for drag queens. Yeah. Three drag queens in a bus across the Australian outback. That's Terrence Stamp's description of the movie that brought him a Golden Globe nomination in a role that represents several notable firsts for the British actor, his first comedy, his first musical, and the first time he's played a woman. In the adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, Terrence Stamp plays a been-there-done-that transsexual. He's known as Ralph before the big chop and Bernadette after. She and two cross-dressing friends cross the Australian outback in search of what they're not certain. Why would you possibly want to leave all this glamour for a hike in the middle of nowhere? Really want to know? Yes. Well, ever since I was a lad, I've had this dream. A dream that I now... Finally, have a chance to fulfill. And that is? To travel to the centre of Australia, climb King's Canyon as a queen, in a full-length Gautier sequin, heels and a tiara. As Bernadette, Terence Stamp learned that making up is hard to do. And when finished, turned out she was the kind of gal you'd look twice at. But for the wrong reason. I suppose in the back of my mind I was thinking, yeah, you know, if I play a woman, it would... It would be somebody that would be devastatingly attractive, you know. So it was like a subconscious thing. And when they finished my makeup and I saw myself for the first time, I realized that it was a tragedy, you know. This was, <laughs> this was somebody who shouldn't go out in the day, you know what I mean? And uh, What's that, Pa? What? Out there, you know. Looks like a woman. Oh, thank God. I was found one morning in a silk lined basket. 
Stamp made his film debut in Billy Budd in 1962. He was Oscar nominated and went on to play a wide range of good guys and bad, including Man of Steel's arch villain, Zod, in Superman 2. Oh, God. Zod. Still, nothing on his resume and no amount of Maybelline could have prepared him for high heels, fishnet stockings, and lip syncing. Sinking is the most unnatural thing I've ever had to do in my life, and not made any easier by the fact that whilst one was being asked to lip sync, one was simultaneously being asked to do synchronized dancing, you know, um, which is really one of those impossible. I just can't. I can't tell you how difficult it is. I just can't tell you. Okay, so we were talking about, um, you know, some of the um, undertones of the story. And, of course, you were saying, Toppy, that Mitzi, uh, a.k.a. Tick, uh, had been married before. He, he finally breaks the news to his friends who are traveling cross-country that, you know, the, the uh, venue that they're going to be at, well, it's his ex-wife's. Uh, actually, he didn't even use the word X. He said, no, he's married to her still. They never got a divorce. Yeah. And um, there, there's a scene even when uh, they're uh, somewhat camped reluctantly uh, when the bus breaks down. And um, Felicia, you know, his uh, his drag counterpart there teases him and he says, well, what are you now? Are you, you know, are, are you, um, you know, a, a donut whatever you know and uh he's like or are you a bisexual and he's like i don't friggin' know right right we are given a, f a flashback there are several flashbacks in the movie for for the characters and um we actually see mitzi's in a flashback his marriage to his wife and as i recall what we see he's in drag when he's marrying his wife so it was no secret it was no they she went along with it and and obviously liked it to some extent but am i correct in that yeah right? we we see her and we see bernadette and drag when he's getting i'm not bernadette we see mitzi getting married in drag right it's it's somewhat of a flashback he's just kind of you know, setting the story because we're seeing it from present day, but we have these flashbacks to give us context of who it is that we're meeting up with and what their history is together. But, you know, I, I think back to the way they posed that scene, it's quite charming because if you think about it, it reminds me a lot of the pictures that I see historically now that we have, you know, the luxury of, of looking back at time but, you know, of like couples of same sex couples from like the early days of photography and, you know, w one person wearing a suit who's clearly not a man and the other one choosing to wear a dress. Well, in this case, of course, the dress is being worn by the drag queen and the uh, the suit was worn by the woman. So but uh, they, they seemed rather open minded. Now, 
Um, what I found so refreshing about this, because it had been years since I last watched it, everybody these days talks about how how a film holds up. You know, does yeah. it seem like it's dated? And, you know, maybe some of the language is dated, but um, I, I certainly found it uh, very refreshing to to see the attitudes the parents had raising the son because you know um there there's a scene with felicia who is the pretty boy and he's playing with mitzi's son and he's asked if you know uh, dad basically has a boyfriend and the the child is curious and later on he actually volunteers that his mom has had a girlfriend before. So mm-hmm. the, the kid is just not, you know, thinking that any which way is particularly right or wrong. It's just the reality. Your mother had a girlfriend. Your dad had a boyfriend. And then they even talk about, you know, the um, Mitzi, a.k.a. Tick, is quite concerned because that, that's part of the buildup. We don't know how things are going to go because this this kid, his his son, uh, he hasn't seen him in years. Now that he's a little grown up, how is he going to treat that reality? Do you, um, you know? Do you do you recall um, when he was talking to him about his career? The kind of things they said. Yeah, it was you know it was just like mom's. Do you know what your dad does? And he says. Well, mom says you're the best in the business. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that that's the main anxiety we have is Mitzi getting reacquainted with his son. And what's, what's that going to be all about? Now, delightfully, when we come to the end of the movie, we see that the, the kid is super well adjusted and super able to deal with it to the extent that he's willing to uh, go with his father, Mitzi, um, on the bus back to uh, home for Mitzi, and that you get a clear message this kid's ready for it um, because Guy Pierce is having a lot of fun entertaining him on the bus <laughs> in that those last scenes and you just get a clear like hey this is gonna be cool and i love the way they did that mm-hmm. and you just knew it was gonna be okay you just know even though our, the film ends before things really get going for them all and they're just on the road again but you just know it's gonna be okay you know, and it's just uh, interesting to think about the times and at the time when that was made. I mean, uh, you know, marriage equality wasn't even the law of the land. I mean, certainly not in Australia or in America. And this this guy has somehow figured out how to live his own truth. And he's actually been able to you know, take advantage of his resources. He's actually managed to have a family with someone and he's not even expected to stay in the picture. I mean, they show up at the hotel where they're going to be performing 
And, you know, his his worst fear is, oh, you know, the world's going to come crashing down. No, his his wife just wants a break because she's been raising their son on her own for eight years. And she just wants to go on a vacation for a little while. <laughs> yeah. And hence, hence the trade off. The kid's going to go live with his father mm. or, uh, for a while. Uh, it's it's really that kid is great. I mean, uh Everything that, that happens from then on is just so positive. Uh, let's talk about uh, Bernadette. He has, uh, she has her own story mm-hmm. as the movie progresses. And when the movie starts, it begins with a funeral. And it's the funeral of her lover uh, who tragically dies like really super young. And She's alone and feeling very, very sad, uh, very depressed when she's encouraged to go on this extended bus trip. uh, And she accepts because there's nothing else going on and she could use the distraction. And she's very lonely, very sad. uh, And she goes through the rest of the movie and she ends up meeting someone who who is it that she meets dj well the character that is uh played in the film is done by a a, um, a well-known at least in australia actor his name is bill hunter and uh, as i was saying earlier he filmed scenes for both priscilla and muriel's wedding the same year his character was just called bob Right. And he kind of shows up at a really great time for our heroines because he kind of saves their butts uh, by fixing the bus and uh, and then like having a place for them to stay uh, in this outback town that, uh, well, it's probably never seen drag queens in their lives, but, <laughs> but uh, something happens uh, with Bob and um, Bernadette and, um, and by the end of the movie, uh, when it's time to go back home, Bernadette stays behind with Bob. You know, I, I think that uh, one of the reasons that this film survives so well it i i'm not thinking of it as you know this is aged or has dated well it's because it has heart and it seems like these with the characters where bernadette decides to take a chance on love again with bob who she has no reason to believe is going to still stick around when he puts two and two together but you know maybe he already has figured things out because when we first meet bob He's got a wife. She she's you know a, a woman who was probably born overseas. She was well. A, she's a mail order bride. Right. She's a mail order bride. <laughs> and that, that's one of those flashback scenes too that you get to see in the film. It's explained that this guy Bob is only with this woman, and I say that lovingly. This woman that he's with <laughs> because he wakes up drunk in a hotel room, and, and all she could say is, "I'm your wife." 
Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I don't know what the whole deal is. You could she's a bit of a harpy, um, but also she considers herself. Well, she was uh, where she was born. She grew up to be a, a performer of, uh, you know, well, uh, uh, dis- disrepute. <laughs> I mean, anyways, ping pongs and all that. Any- <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah. Um, she I was, has a hard time fitting in. I, I, I read that the actress who played her actually furnished her own costume for that. Pink really? Scene. <laughs> That's interesting. Oh, but, you know, the, the scenes have heart and um, it, it sometimes. Uh, oh, what I was going to say is uh, there was actually an interview that I watched where they talked about uh, a period after September 11 where. There was sort of a, a moratorium for good reasons, of course, on, um, you know, sort of negative and dark films. And for a time, there was a, a you know, resurgence. There was a, a, a comeback for some of these films from a few years before. And apparently when there was a search for feel-good films, Priscilla was quite popular after 2000, you know, the uh, September 11 events. People wanted to watch something with heart and apparently it was on their list yeah and appropriately so uh before we um get any further i just want to acknowledge the chat room because we are doing this live and we do have a chat room and there are people with us chatting with us in the chat room live and we have aunt tudor we have your husband, Billy Starsage. We have Janet. We have Maren Gertz. We have from Australia, I'll have you know, Archie Cruiser. And we have our pal, Tommy Hashbrowns. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, Archie Cruiser just posted in the chat room about, uh, about the Monte Carlo trumpet uh, that, that could fit in his foreskin. Well, the, the Monte Carlo is a, is a biscuit, and he describes the biscuit. It's a, a, it's a biscuit of, um, uh, well, it's got a creamy filling. That's all you really need to know. Uh, Essentially, this is a, a, a scene that was in uh, only some versions of the film. It, it, oh. it was removed from international releases because that biscuit and, and you know, we Americans, we call them cookies. Um, it, it, it's sort of a cultural thing. So uh. some, someone from America wouldn't know what a Monte Carlo is other than the country. And so that was the, the inside joke on the, uh, um, on other versions of the film. People got to know, that Bernadette's young boyfriend was not called trumpet because he could play the instrument. It's because a certain part of his anatomy uh, bared a resemblance. (laughs) And that's where we'll go with that. So, but yes, uh, lots of heart in this film. And I particularly enjoyed the scene when Bernadette flashed back to childhood. So Christmas morning, Bernadette, Bernadette's having a flashback to Christmas morning. And you see this child with long hair, and you're not sure if it's Bernadette, but uh, you, you wonder. And this child with long hair opens their Christmas present and ends up being like a, a cement mixer truck, you know, a boy's toy. Mm-hmm. And then across on the other side of the Christmas tree, next to dear old mom is the other child 
who's holding a doll. And mom says to the child holding the doll, Ralph, have you been switching the tags again? <laughs> yeah, and she just looks guilty. Yeah, that was that was perfect. Um, yeah, Ralph is Bernadette's uh, male, you know, the name he was born with. Uh, let's talk about the the drag performances in the school. My favorite one, Deej, is uh, when they're out there all alone and suddenly coming around are uh, some of the peoples of the land of the original people uh, who uh, are, well, they're just kind of camping out as, as they do and basically having uh, an extended party with friends and families uh, right there in the outback. And uh, they come across the drag queens and bring them in um, to just sit down and enjoy some drink and food and fellowship. And, uh, but they have an opportunity, they think, to uh give back by way of performing for them and they do and they do this great show and it's received enthusiastically uh by uh the people and i just loved it because towards the end uh the aboriginal people pick up their instruments um and start playing along and sort of adding to the music uh, with their, you know, ancient instruments and giving it a whole new sound. Uh, I just love that. That was amazing. I, I really enjoyed that scene too, because there, there of course was one of the members of the uh, peoples there took an interest in the drag Queens and they made him up for the occasion yes. and yes. Uh, he just seemed to really enjoy himself. And, uh, you know, that just brings to mind that there are certain cultures, even within, you know, the United States where, um, you know, having an alternative lifestyle is not necessarily an issue. They are celebrated and they have their own name within their culture and, uh, people call them two spirit. So it's, right. you know, it's not that this is, you know, something that a man shouldn't be doing or a woman shouldn't be doing. No, this person's somewhere in between on the spectrum. They're two spirit. They have, you know, more personality than can be represented by one gender. Right. So you, you just see them these three drag queens during the show and being appreciated on a level, you know, where they're, where there's nobody creeped out by them and they're, they're just accepted. And the evening goes on uh, with great success. So that, that was maybe my favorite movie in the whole damn thing. I mean, not my favorite movie, but favorite scene. Mm-hmm. Well, Tapia, I think that uh, we're getting close to the end here, so we're going to move on over to a segment we call our snack tray. And this is where we talk about something else that you might enjoy if you liked Priscilla Adventure, the Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, because we, we have a long title, the full thing here. 
So I'll go ahead and go first. This uh, film that I'm going to bring up is actually um, made a little more recently. It was a few years later. It was in 2005. And uh, this is a film about a drag queen that comes to the rescue of a man who, after inheriting his father's shoe factory, needs to diversify his product if he wants to keep business afloat. And this is a film which was later turned into a musical called Kinky Boots. Nice. I saw it. Loved it. Uh, Turned into a musical later on. Yes, and Cindy Lauper actually helped uh, write some of the music in the musical. Yeah, yeah. my recommendation is if you liked uh, this movie, Priscilla, uh, you're going to also like Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, came out a year later. Uh, American movie, Patrick Swayze, Patrick Swayze, Wesley Snipes, and the other guy, DJ. John Leguizamo. There you go. Uh, As three drag queens. A lot of similarities. It's got a lot of heart. I personally think Priscilla is is a a far superior movie. But Tu Wong Fu ain't ain't a slouch so if you liked priscilla uh definitely watch tu wong fu okay so here at the marionette we are a venue for many a splendid thing we have a checkered past and uh, we were even once home to vaudeville a magician once came through these doors and he left a bag of coins could you grab them for me toppy nah. all right here we go all right, we're going to see what's coming down the pike. Mm-hmm. All righty. So we do this show twice a month. And next time we get together is going to be on Friday, July 2nd. So just before the next holiday. And uh, we're going to have a special guest in our midst. Oh boy. Speaking of uh, fabulousness and drag queens, we're going to have our favorite mid-Atlantic personality, Jamanda Martini, will be in the house. Yes. Okay, so let's see. What do we have here? Well, this is going to be a early 2000s action adventure. After New York City receives a series of attacks from giant flying robots, a reporter Mm. teams up with a pilot in search of their origin, as well as the reason for the disappearances of famous scientists around the world. This film stars Gwyneth Paltrow and that sexy man Jude Law, and also an appearance by Angelina Jolie, the uh, the future Mrs. Former Brad Pitt. (laughs) (laughs) Next time on Matinee Minutia, we're going to be watching Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. (laughs) It's a lot of fun, folks. Uh, It it totally uh, is a nod and a celebration of the movie serials of yesteryear. Uh, the old black and white movie serials, like um, you name it, uh, Flash Gordon, Flash Gordon, and uh, the like, um, and it 
it's a lot of fun. Captures captures that era of filmmaking quite nicely. Okay. Well, we're um, here in the lobby. Sorry. By the way, before we go, I just want to mention that RT Cruiser uh, recommends um, what he, uh, the Bill Hunter trilogy of Priscilla, Muriel, and Strictly Ballroom. Now, I don't know what that means. What? Oh, uh, well, those are, he appeared in those three films, so you and I have seen two of the three, so now we have to find this film Strictly oh, Ballroom. Oh, the actor Bill Hunter mm-hmm. was, was in all those movies. Guy. I, I would say that uh, he is probably known as an Australian treasure in some realms. I would think so. He's he's so likable in this movie. Hey, there's uh, Cronhaven. Woohoo! Well, Cronhaven, um, you know, you could rewind and you could revisit the experience and catch me all dialed up on camera on YouTube there. That's right. I love your eyebrows, DJ. <laughs> well, thank you. I had a little help downstairs by my, my sweet husband. There you go. So, all right, sir. Well, we are out here in the lobby and uh, Gertie is anxious to catch her boss. So, am I ever? Yeah, so in the uh, ways of the old-time radio shows, could you say goodnight, Gracie? Uh, Goodnight, Gracie. Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Our show streams live the first and third Friday of each month. Go to univazpods.net, click the tower for audio, enter Discord. For chat. You can find the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Tweet us on Twitter at Matinee Minutia. Join our Facebook group. Visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com. Have an idea for a future show or just want to message us? Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com. This has been an Alibug production. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univazpods.net.